Chapters fifteen and sixteen of Lena Rivers by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fifteen, Mrs. Livingstone's calls and their result. After leaving Mr. Douglas's, Mrs. Livingstone ordered her coachman to drive her around to the house of Mrs. Atkins, where she was frequently in the habit of stopping, partly as a matter of convenience when visiting in town, and partly to learn the latest news of the day, for her Mrs. Atkins was an intolerable gossip. Without belonging exactly to the higher circles, she still managed to keep up a show of intimacy with them, possessing herself with their secrets, and kindly entrusting them to the keeping of this and that dear friend from her had mrs livingstone learned to a dime the amount of mr douglas's property and how he was obliged to economize in various ways in order to keep up the appearance of style from her too had she learned how often her son was in the habit of calling there and what rumour said concerning those calls while mrs atkins had learned in return that the ambitious lady had other views for john and that anything which she mrs atkins could do to further the plans of her friend would be gratefully received on this occasion she was at home and of course delighted to see mrs livingstone it is such an age since i've seen you that i began to fear you were offended at something said she as she led the way into a cosy little sitting-room where a cheerful wood-fire was blazing on the nicely painted hearth do sit down and make yourself as comfortable as you can on such poor accommodations i have just finished dinner but will order some for you no no exclaimed mrs livingstone i dined at mr douglas's thank you ah indeed returned mrs atkins feeling a good deal relieved for to tell the truth her larder as was often the case was rather empty dined at mr douglas's of course then nothing which i could offer you could be acceptable after one of his sumptuous meals i suppose nelly brought out all her mother's old silver and made quite a display it's a wonder to me how they hold their heads so high and folks notice them as they do for between you and me i shouldn't be surprised to hear of his failing any minute is it possible said mrs livingstone why yes returned mrs atkins there's nothing to prevent it they say except a moneyed marriage on the part of nelly who seems to be doing her best has she any particular one in view asked mrs livingstone and mrs atkins aware of mrs livingstone's aversion to the match replied why you know she tried to get your son but didn't succeed interrupted mrs livingstone no didn't succeed you are right well now it seems she's spreading sail for a mr wilbur of madison mrs livingstone's eyes sparkled eagerly and not to lose one word she drew her chair nearer to her friend who proceeded he's a rich bachelor brother to mary wilbur nilly's most intimate friend you've heard of her yes yes returned mrs livingstone hasn't nelly been visiting her her or her brother answered mrs atkins mary's health is poor and you know it's mighty convenient for nelly to go there under pretence of staying with her exactly answered mrs livingstone with a satisfied smile and another hitch of her chair toward mrs atkins who after a moment continued the brother came home with nelly stayed over sunday rode out with her monday endorsed ever so many notes for her father so i reckon and then went home if that don't mean something then i'm mistaken and mrs atkins rang for a glass of wine and a slice of cake 
after an hour's confidential talk in which mrs livingstone told of mabel's prospects and mrs atkins told how folks who were at mr graham's party praised lena river's beauty and predicted a match between her and mr belmont the former rose to go and calling upon one or two others and by dint of quizzing and hinting getting them to say they shouldn't be surprised if mr wilbur did like nelly douglas she started for home exulting to think how everything seemed working together for her good and how in the denouement nothing particular could be laid to her charge i told nelly no falsehood thought she i did not say john loved mabel i only said she loved him leaving all else for her to infer and it has commenced operating too i could see it in the spots on her face and neck when i was talking nelly's a fine girl though but too poor for the livingstones and with this conclusion she told the coachman to drive past her as she was in a hurry to reach home arrived at maple grove she found the whole family grandma and all assembled in the parlour and with them durward belmont his arm was thrown carelessly across the back of lena's chair while he occasionally bent forward to look at a book of prints which she was examining the sight of him determined her to wait a little ere she retailed her precious bit of gossip to her son he was nelly's cousin and as such would in all probability repeat to her what he heard however communicative john jr might be in other respects she knew he would never discuss his heart troubles with any one so upon second thought she deemed it wiser to wait until they were alone durward and lena however needed watching and by a little manoeuvring she managed to separate them greatly to the satisfaction of carrie who sat upon the sofa one foot bent under her and the other impatiently tapping the carpet from the moment durward took his seat by her cousin she had appeared ill at ease and as he began to understand her better he readily guessed that her silent mood was owing chiefly to the attentions he paid to lena and not to a nervous headache as she said when her grandmother inquiring the cause of her silence remarked that she'd been chipper enough until mr belmont came in but he did not care he admired lena and john jr alike it made but little difference with him who knew it carrie's freaks which he plainly saw rather amused him than otherwise but of mrs livingstone he had no suspicion whatever consequently when she sent lena from the room on some trifling errand herself appropriating the vacated seat he saw in it no particular design but in his usual pleasant way commenced talking with carrie who brightened up so much that grandma asked if her headache wasn't e'en almost well when lena returned to the parlor durward was proposing a surprise visit to nelly douglas some time during the holidays we'll invite mr everett and all go down what do you say girls said he turning toward carrie and anna but meaning lena quite as much as either of them capital answered anna visions of a long ride with malcolm instantly passing before her mind i should like it very much said carrie visions of a ride with durward crossing her mind and i too said lena laying her hand on john jr's shoulder as if he would of course be her escort carrie's ill-nature had not all vanished and now in a slightly insolent tone she said how do you know you are included lena was about to reply when durward a little provoked at carrie's manner prevented her by saying of course i meant miss rivers and i will now do myself the honour of asking her to ride with me either on horseback or in a carriage just as she prefers in a very graceful manner lena accepted the invitation saying that she always preferred riding on horseback but as the pony which she usually rode had recently been sold she would be content to go in any other way fleetfoot sold what's that for asked anna 
and her mother replied we've about forty horses on our hands now and as fleetwood was seldom used by any one except lena your father thought we couldn't afford to keep him she did not dare tell the truth of the matter and say that ever since the morning when lena rode to woodlawn with Jerwood, fleetwood's fate had been decreed repeatedly had she urged the sale upon her husband who wearied with her importunity at last consented selling him to a neighbouring planter who had taken him away that very day that's smart said john junior looking at his father who had not spoken what is lena going to ride i should like to know lena pressed his arm to keep him still but he would not heed her isn't there plenty of feed for fleetfoot certainly answered his father compelled now to speak plenty of feed but fleetfoot was getting old and sometimes stumbled perhaps we'll get lena a better and younger horse this was said in a half-timid way which brought the tears to lena's eyes for at the bottom of it all she saw her aunt who sat looking into the glowing grate apparently oblivious to all that was passing around her that reminds me of christmas gifts said durward anxious to change the conversation i wonder how many of us will get one ere there was any chance for an answer a servant appeared at the door asking mrs livingstone for some medicine for old aunt polly the superannuated negress who will be remembered as having nursed mrs nichols during her attack of rheumatism and for whom grandma had conceived a strong affection for many days she had been very ill causing mrs livingstone to wonder what old niggers wanted to live for bothering everybody to death the large stock of abolitionism which mrs nichols had brought with her from massachusetts was a little diminished by force of habit but the root was there still in all its vigour and since aunt polly's illness she had been revolving in her mind the momentous question whether she would not be most guilty if polly were suffered to die in bondage i promised nancy scovendike said she that i'd have some on em set free but i'll be bound if tain't harder work than i s'posed twould be still aunt polly's freedom lay warm at grandma's heart and now when she was mentioned together with christmas gifts a bright idea entered her mind john said she to her son when corinda had gone with the medicine john have you ever made me a christmas present since i've been here i believe not was his answer well continued grandma bein's the fashion i want you to give me something this christmas will you certainly said he what is it grandma replied that she would rather not tell him then she would wait until christmas morning which came the next tuesday and here the conversation ended soon after durward took his leave telling lena he should call on her on thursday that's a plaguey smart feller said grandma as the door closed upon him and i kinder think he's got a notion after leany ridiculous muttered mrs livingstone while carrie added just reverse it and say she has a notion after him shut up your head growled john junior you are only angry because he asked her to accompany him instead of yourself i reckon he knows what he's about i reckon he does too said mrs livingstone with a peculiar smile which nettled lena more than any open attack would have done with the exception of his mother john junior was the last to leave the parlour and when all the rest were gone mrs livingstone seized her opportunity for telling him what she had heard taking a light from the table he was about retiring when she said i learned some news to-day which a little surprised me got it from mother atkins i suppose answered john still advancing toward the door 
partly from her and partly from others said his mother adding as she saw him touch the doorknob it's about nelly douglas this was sufficient to arrest his attention and turning about he asked what of her why nothing of any great consequence as i know of said mrs livingstone only people in frankfort think she's going to be married i think so too was john's mental reply while his verbal one was married to whom did you ever hear her speak of mary wilbur yes she's been staying with her ever since mrs graham's party well mary it seems has a brother a rich old bachelor who they say is very attentive to nelly he came home with her from madison staying at her father's the rest of the week and paying her numberless attentions which i don't believe it interrupted john jr striking his fist upon the table to which he had returned neither did i at first said his mother but i heard it in so many places that there must be something in it and i'm sure it's a good match he is rich and willing they say to help her father who is in danger of failing any moment without knowing it john jr was a little inclined to be jealous particularly of those whom he loved very much and now suddenly remembering to have heard nelly speak in high terms of robert wilbur he began to feel uneasy lest what his mother had said were true she saw her advantage and followed it up until in a fit of anger he rushed from the room and repaired to his own apartment where for a time he walked backward and forward chafing like a caged lion and wishing all manner of evil upon nelly if she were indeed false to him he was very excitable and at last worked himself up to such a pitch that he determined upon starting at once for frankfort to demand of nelly if what he had heard were true upon cooler reflection however he concluded not to make a perfect fool of himself and plunging into bed he fell asleep as what man will not be his trouble what it may sixteen christmas gifts the sunlight of a bright christmas morning had hardly dawned upon the earth when from many a planter's home in the sunny south was heard the joyful cry of christmas gift christmas gift as the negroes ran over and against each other hiding off times until someone came within hailing distance when their loud christmas gift would make all echo again on this occasion every servant at maple grove was remembered for anna and lena had worked both early and late in preparing some little present and feeling amply compensated for their trouble when they saw how much happiness it gave mabel too while she stayed had lent a helping hand and many a blessing was that morning invoked upon her head from the hearts made glad by her generous gifts carrie when asked to join them had turned scornfully away saying she'd plenty to do without working for niggers who could not appreciate it so while her leisure hours were spent in embroidering a fine cambric handkerchief intended as a present for mrs graham and which with a delicate note was the evening previous sent to woodlawn with instructions to have it placed next morning on mrs graham's table of course mrs graham felt in duty bound to return the compliment and looking over her old jewellery she selected a diamond ring which she had formerly worn but which was now too small for her fat chubby fingers this was immediately forwarded to maple grove reaching there just as the family were rising from the breakfast-table oh isn't it beautiful splendid magnificent were carrie's exclamations while she praised mrs graham's generosity secretly wondering if derward did not have something to do with it on this point she was soon set right for the young man himself ere long appeared and after bidding them all a merry christmas presented anna with a package which on being opened proved to be a large and complete copy of shakespeare elegantly bound and bearing upon its heavy golden clasp the words anna livingstone from derward 
this you will please accept from me said he mother i believe has sent carrie something and if lena will step to the door she will see her gift from father who hopes it will give her as much pleasure to accept it as it does him to present it what can it be thought carrie rising languidly from the sofa and following lena and her sister to the side door where stood one of mr graham's servants holding a beautiful grey pony all nicely equipped for riding never dreaming that this was intended for lena carrie looked vacantly around saying why where is it i don't see anything here said durward taking the bridle from the negro's hand and playfully throwing it across lena's neck here it is this pony which we call vesta vesta allow me to introduce you and your new mistress miss lena to each other and catching her up as if she had been a feather he placed her in the saddle then at a peculiar whistle the well-trained animal started off upon an easy gallop bearing its burden lightly around the yard and back again to the piazza do you like her he asked of lena extending his arms to lift her down for a moment lena could not speak her heart was so full but at last forcing down her emotion she replied oh very very much but it isn't for me i know there must be some mistake mr graham never intended it for me yes he did answered durward he has intended it ever since the morning when you and i rode to woodlawn a remark which your cousin john made at the table determined him upon buying and training a pony for you so here it is and as i have done my share toward teaching her you must grant me the favor of riding her to frankfort day after tomorrow. thank you thank you you and mr graham too a thousand times said lena winding her arms around the neck of the docile animal who did her best to return the caress rubbing her face against lena and evincing her gentleness in various ways by this time mr livingstone had joined them and while he was admiring the pony durward said to him i am commissioned by my father to tell you that he will defray all the expenses of keeping vesta don't mention such a thing again hastily interposed mr livingstone i can keep fifty horses if i choose and nothing will give me more pleasure than to take care of this one for lena who deserves it if any one does that's my christmas gift from you uncle isn't it asked lena the tears gushing from her shining brown eyes and now please may i return it certainly said he and with a nimble spring she caught him around the neck imprinting upon his lips the first and only kiss she had ever given him then amid blushes and tears which came from a heart full of happiness she ran away upstairs followed by the envious eyes of carrie who repaired to her mother's room where she stated all that had transpired how mr graham had sent lena a grey pony how she had presumed to accept it and how just to show off before mr belmont she had wound her arms around its neck and then actually kissed pa mrs livingstone was equally indignant with her daughter wondering if mr graham had lost his reason and reckoning his wife knew nothing about vesta but fret as she would there was no help for it vesta belonged to lena mr livingstone had given orders to have it well cared for and worse than all the rest lena was to accompany durward to frankfort something must be done to meet the emergency but what mrs livingstone didn't exactly know and finally concluded to wait until she saw mrs graham meantime grandma had claimed from her son her promised christmas gift which was nothing less than the freedom of old aunt polly you won't refuse me john i know you won't said she laying her bony hand on his 
polly's aren't her freedom forty times over even s'posin you'd a right to her in the fust place which i and nancy scalbendike both doubt so now sit down like a man make out her free papers and let me carry em to her right away without a word mr livingstone complied with his mother's request saying as he handed her the paper it's not so much the fault of the south as of the north that every black under heaven is not free grandma looked aghast her son born brought up and baptized in a purely orthodox atmosphere to hold such treasonable opinions in opposition to everything he'd ever been taught in good old massachusetts she was greatly shocked but thinking she could not do the subject justice she said wall wall it's of no use for you and i to argue the pint for i don't know nothing what i want to say but if nancy scovendike was here she'd convince you quick for she's good larnin as any of the gals nowadays so saying she walked away to polly's cabin the old negress was better to-day and attired in the warm double gown which mabel had purchased and lena had made she sat up in a large comfortable rocking-chair which john jr had given her at the commencement of her illness saying it was his christmas gift in advance going straight up to her grandma laid the paper in her lap bidding her read it and thank the lord bless mrs dear old heart said aunt polly i can't read a word sure enough answered mrs nichols and taking up the paper she read it through managing to make the old creature comprehend its meaning praise the lord praise master john and all the other apostles exclaimed aunt polly clasping together her black wrinkled hands while tears of joy coursed their way down her cheeks the breath of liberty is sweet sweet as sugar she continued drawing long inspirations as if to make up for lost time mrs nichols looked on silently thanking god for having made her a humble instrument in contributing so much to another's happiness set down said aunt polly motioning toward a wooden-bottomed chair set down and let's talk over this great miracle which i've prayed and wrestled for mighty nigh a hundred times without having an atom of faith that it would ever be so mrs nichols sat down and for nearly an hour the old ladies talked the one of her newly found freedom and the other of her happiness in knowing that twasn't for nothing she was turned out of her old home and brought away over land and sea to kentucky End of chapters 15 and 16